Friends, many years ago, there was a missionary named Dr. Herbert Jackson, and he was teaching a seminary class on missions. And on this particular day in class, Dr. Jackson told his missionary students an embarrassing true story of something that had happened to him years and years before when he was a new missionary just on the mission field. Many years earlier, Dr. Jackson was just getting started. He was a fresh missionary out on the field trying to serve Jesus. And there on the field, as he was about to start his time serving, uh, they provided him with a car. Well, the only problem was, as Dr. Jackson soon discovered, is this car would not start. It wouldn't start on its own. The only way that Dr. Jackson could get this car rolling was to give it a jump start. Now, those of you who are a little older, you understand what a jump start is. This is when you will take a car that's a standard drive, not an automatic, but a standard drive. You'll put it in neutral, you'll give it a push, and then all of a sudden, as the car is gaining momentum, you have it in gear, you pop out the clutch, and then the car will begin to jump to life. Well, for two years, for two years, Dr. Jackson had to use all kinds of ingenious plans to be able to jumpstart his car. Uh, one time, he actually had to go into a school, knock on the principal's door, and ask permission for some of the older students to come out, out of class, and give him a push in order to get his car running. Other times, he would purposely have to park on a very steep hill so that he could give the car a jump start. Other times, if he had to make a short visit with someone, he would just pull the parking brake and let the car keep running. Well, Dr. Jackson had a turn in his health, and he was being forced to leave his mission position. But just before coming home, Dr. Jackson had this meeting with a man who was going to be replacing him. Well, of course, this new missionary was going to inherit this little finicky car. And so Dr. Jackson was going to have to give this guy a little tutorial about how to jumpstart this little car. Well, Dr. Jackson's talking to this new missionary, and he began to explain all of his strategies for getting the car started. And this new missionary just casually decided to go and pop the hood and look under and see what was going on. Well, within 10 seconds... The new missionary interrupted and said, why, Dr. Jackson, the problem here is just this loose battery cable. So the missionary reached down and he tightened up the battery cable with a twist, walked back around, sat in the driver's seat, turned the ignition, and to Dr. Jackson's astonishment, the engine roared to life. Now, you can just imagine, can't you, the shame, the embarrassment, the shock that came sweeping over this man in this moment. Just think about that for a second. What pain, what trouble had this poor man had to endure for two long years, and yet the power was there all along. Friends, we're going to open our Bibles here to Ephesians chapter 3. And here on this special Thanksgiving service, all of us are going to be reminded today that our God possesses all the power. Our God possesses all the power, but how often do we forget that that power is available to us? How often do we forget that, that God's power is always there and it's always working in our favor? And yeah, just like Dr. Jackson, isn't it true that the loose connection is what gets us every time? This loose connection. And so often that loose connection is with us. 
It's in our own minds. We forget about God's power. We neglect to remind ourselves about it. It's in our own hearts. Maybe we're filled with doubts. We're, we're doubting that God has the power to meet our needs. Well, friends, today in this message that I've entitled, Giving Thanks for God's Power, you and I are going to look at one of the most encouraging passages of the New Testament that reminds us about God's sovereign power, His awesome power that is always available to us, it's at work in us and through us, and it's always for His glory. So friends, we're going to be here in God's Word in in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 3. Now, I know we're jumping right into the middle of Ephesians here, so let me just give us a little bit of context by saying that the, the letter to the Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul. Paul, being moved by the Holy Spirit, writes this letter to this group of Christians at the ancient city of Ephesus, and that's why it's called the letter to the Ephesians. And in this letter, Paul has has so many great things to say about what God does and what God has been doing through the church. This book has so much to say. The letter of Ephesians has so much to communicate to us about the church and its origin and where did the church come from and what about its nature, what's what's its makeup and what's its responsibilities and its tasks. The book of Ephesians has so much to communicate to us about about salvation and about the church and how we belong to it because of Jesus. Now, friends, here in chapter 3, Paul has been actually unpacking for the Ephesians the, the powerful work that God has done in sending Christ. And it's through Christ that you and I become in the family of God. Well, interestingly, friends, there are three times, three times in this chapter Three times in chapter 3 where Paul uses the word power. Power. If you skim back with me, look back to verse 7. Paul says he became a servant of the gospel. He was a servant of the gospel by the working of God's power. So how did Paul become an apostle? How did he become a preacher of this great gospel? By God's power. You get down into verse 16. Paul is having this prayer. He's telling the Ephesian Christians. He's telling them how he's been praying for them. And Paul says he's been praying that they would be strengthened with God's power, strengthened with God's might in their in their inner persons by the Holy Spirit. And then, friends, at the close of the chapter, what we're going to study today, verses 20 and 21, come to a conclusion. There's a great climax here, a soaring pyramid of praise that celebrates God's awesome power, power that's available to us, power that's working through us, and for us. Well, friends, we're going to look at a great section of, of thanksgiving here this morning, a section of thanksgiving and praise for God and for His power. What does this section of Scripture declare to us about the power of God? What, what is it exactly about God's power that should get you and I so encouraged? Well, friends, today I want to show you from this section of Scripture, I want to show you four facets of God's power. Four facets of God's power. And it's going to be so encouraging to you. You've got some notes there that were provided for you in your in your uh, Sunday bulletin. So I hope maybe you'll fill in a few of these blanks, and I hope these things will encourage you from God's Word. I want you to see this first facet of God's power. The first thing we're going to see, number one, is God is able to do. Number one, God is able to do. Now look at God's Word with me here in Ephesians 3, verse 20. I'm reading from the New King James Version this morning. Now to him who was able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, 
according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, Christians, we're going to come to this section this morning, and we're picking up here again in verse 20. I want you to notice that it begins with this little phrase, now to Him. Now to Him. And what we're actually coming to here at the end of chapter 3 is this section where Paul was telling the Ephesians what he had been praying for. He was their, he was their teacher. He had been their pastor. He was uh, dearly beloved by these people. He loved them. And if you were to go back in verses 14 through 19, you'd see a whole bunch of things that, that Paul was praying for these Christians here at the local church at Ephesus. If you get back to verse 14 and following, Paul's praying that God would strengthen them spiritually in their inner man. He was praying that Christ would, would take root in their hearts, that they would comprehend the love of Jesus, that they would come to experience all of God's fullness. Family, Paul is listing all of these things that he's been praying for these Christians. But now, after all those things are laid out, now we get to verse 20. And this is really the conclusion. This is the climax of what Paul had been praying. And now Paul gives praise. He gives overwhelming praise to this all-powerful God who has the power to answer all of these requests that he's been giving. So family, what you and I are going to study here today is almost like a pyramid of praise. It just builds and builds in this glory of God's power. Now, I want you to take notice here. The first reason why, why God is worthy to get our thanksgiving. Why is He worthy to receive our praise because of His power? Well, notice that first phrase, because He is able to do. Friends, that little word do in the Greek text, the original Greek text, that word means to make something, to cause something. It means to affect something. It, it means to bring something about. It's the word that has the idea of to accomplish something, to perform something, to provide or to create. So in other words, what the Apostle Paul is telling us here is that God is worthy of praise because He has the power to do. He has the power to affect results. He has the power to take action and make things happen. Christian friend, aren't you thankful today that you serve a God who is real? He is alive. He's powerful and He possesses the power to do. He's an omnipotent God. This God that you believe in, this God that you pray to, He's an all-powerful God. He possesses the power to make things happen. Look in your notes there. I gave you this wonderful quote from John Stott. John Stott said this, God is neither idle, nor inactive, nor dead. And that's right. Your friends, what a remarkable contrast between the true, living, omnipotent God of the universe and all the other worthless, false gods, the impotent idols that are still being worshipped by many people and many people groups and in many nations all around the world today. You know, we look at ourselves in 21st century America and we think about how advanced we are. We think about how technologically savvy we are. But friends, do you realize even today in the 21st century how many people are worshipping idols? carved out of stone, carved out of wood. 
these gods that are not real at all. Look in your notes. I gave you a really famous scripture from the Old Testament, from Isaiah 40. It's interesting that the true God, the living God, the real God, He mocks people who would waste their time worshiping false idols. This is the Lord's words here in Isaiah 40, in your notes there. Isaiah 40, verse 18. The Lord's the one speaking here. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with Him? An idol? A craftsman casts it. A goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts it for silver chains. Verse 28, the Lord continues, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint. He does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Dear friend, I want you to be encouraged today. And I want your heart to swell with a sense of gratitude, a sense of thanksgiving, a sense of praise for your God. He is the God who has the power to do. He is the real God who has the power to affect change. He can make things happen. Look in your notes. I gave you Psalm 96, verse 4 and 5. For great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Now let's press on, okay? Here in this little section, this little pyramid of praise, I want you to see a second reason why God is worthy to receive our thanksgiving. A second aspect of His power. Here's number two. God is able to do all that we ask or think. Number two, God is able to do all that we ask or think. Now friends, as I said, what we're doing today is we're really scaling up a pyramid here, you and I together. This is a real pyramid of praise that we're climbing step by step like a staircase. And of course, we just said that God is able to do. He is the living God. He's the only true God. He's the only one who has power to accomplish, to do, to make things happen. But now we're moving on and we're seeing that God is able to do all that we could ask or think. Now, friends, you and I, as we, as we make our way through life, we meet all kinds of people. And we meet people with a wide variety of talents and abilities, right? I mean, you meet people and people can do all kinds of things. I mean, look at what was up here on the stage today. I mean, people who can sing and people who can play instruments and, and other people out there are great with numbers and, and some people are just great with people. You know, that's the kind of person that you want to have as your supervisor or, or your boss. You want someone who's good with people. Sometimes you, you meet people who are just good with their hands. Men, women alike. There are some people just good with their hands. Well, we meet all kinds of people, don't we? With all kinds of abilities, with all kinds of abilities to do things. But isn't it true, not always are those people with abilities to do things able to do something that will personally help us. Well, friends, you and I are going to learn here from God's Word that God not only possesses mighty power to do, God possesses power to do into our lives. Power to affect change. Power to do for our lives. Things that actually affect us as people. In other words, what I'm saying to you, friends, is that God's mighty power, God's mighty power is not just to accomplish His eternal purposes and plans. 
But God ultimately is working His power even down into our very lives. Even our interests are being affected by His power. So friends, what we have here in verse 20 is a a really powerful statement on the effectiveness of prayer. I mean, Paul's been laying out these various prayer requests, how he's been praying for these Christians. And now when you get to this capstone of praise, and what we're finding out is this God is worthy of praise because he can actually accomplish things that we're praying for. Notice there, God, or excuse me, Paul gives praise to God. Did you see there? For his ability to do all that we ask or think. Look at that. In other words, not only does God have the ability to hear our prayers when we offer them, He has the sovereign power to act on them. He can hear them and He can act on them. He can bring about results in our world and in our lives, and He can do all of that for His glory. Look in your notes there. I gave you some scriptures out of the New Testament. Just a couple of these great scriptures remind us of God's power, that that He hears our prayer. And he can act on our behalf. Look in your notes there, 1 John 3, 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, look at this, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and we do what pleases him. I gave you 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know, Jesus said something similar in John 15. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, Christians, here's something I don't want you to miss. Don't miss this. The Bible says God's ability to answer our prayers by his power, his ability is not limited by our ability to speak them. God's ability to answer our prayers is not limited by our ability to speak those prayers. Look at verse 20. You see what I'm saying here? Look what Paul says in verse 20. Not only can God answer the prayer requests that we ask, but Scripture says He can do even to those things that we don't ask. In other words, He can move and He can accomplish even the things that we're just thinking about. Things that we're just carrying around. Things that we're thinking about. We haven't even vocalized them in a prayer. Things that we're just carrying around inside our brains. He can do, He can do His action even based on our thinking. He can see into the desires of our brains. He can see into the desires of our hearts. And He can answer accordingly. Isn't that encouraging? You know, family, one of my favorite Christian music groups uh, is an award-winning band called Third Day. Third Day. Some of you may uh, know a few of their songs. They've had tons of songs on Christian radio over the past 25 years. Well, just a few months ago, uh, their main guitar player, he was one of the founding members of that group, he wrote a memoir. He wrote a book about his 20 years in the band. The band was coming to the end, and uh, they were all going to go off and do some other things. And, and this guitar player, whose name is Mark Lee, Mark wrote a book about his 20 years. And, and for a whole bunch of weeks leading up to this book, 
uh, I'm surfing through Facebook and I'm on the internet and, and I'm getting, because I'm a fan of the third day page, I start getting all of the ads coming up on my Facebook feed, all the various ads for Mark Lee's new book. I even got an email. I'm on like the email list. I get an email telling me all about Mark Lee's memoir, uh, 20 years of all of his time in third day. And I looked at that and I, and I read the back of the book and I thought, man, I just thought to myself, that looks like such a great book. Man, I, I wish I could get that book. I just said, you know what though? I just had too much going on. I got too many other things on my plate. I've got kids who need socks and shoes and pencils for school and notebook paper. And I, I just got too much going on. And I just didn't have the extra cash for this book. Now, did I really need this book? Well, of course not. I don't, I didn't need this book to survive. This wasn't something that I had to pray about, right? This wasn't something that I put on my daily prayer sheet because this wasn't some urgent need in my life. But I had thought about it. I thought, boy, that'd be a cool book. I would love to read that and read the experiences and see what God did in his life. Well, family, guess what? Guess what God did? Guess what God did? About a month after that book came out, Rich and Jody Keller were back here in Hazleton from Virginia. And Jody comes up to me one morning after church and she says, Hey, Pastor Ryan, I know you love Third Day. Well, Mark Lee was at our church to do a concert. So I went and I bought his book for you and I had him autograph it for you. And I, I thought, I thought you would like that. You know, family, there's only one person in the universe who knew I wanted this book. Only one person could see my thoughts, could read my heart, and it was God. You know, friends, even if I, even as I tell you that story this morning, I, I'm reminded of that famous verse from King David's pen there in Psalm 37. You remember this verse? It's in your notes. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Family, what an incredible God we serve. What an amazing God we serve. What incredible power this God has. He has the power of doing he can do, He can answer all that we ask and even stuff that we just think. Now, let's move on. Can I show you a third reason why we give thanks to God for His great power, a third aspect, a third facet of His power? Here's number three. God is able to do above all that we ask or think. Here's number three. God is able to do above all that we ask or think. Now, we're studying this great capstone of a prayer here at the end of Ephesians 3. It's, it really is like this soaring doxology, right? It's a, it's a praise to God that just is like a staircase, one step up and another step up and another. And here we are, the third step up. Now, Paul has already been offering, right, these, these great praises to God. You would think that what's already been said would be sufficient for the task, but notice we go up another notch. Paul takes us up another notch, even higher. He writes there, God is able to do not only what we can ask or even think, but notice what it says, but above all that we ask or think. In other words, friends, there are times when God's outcomes soar even higher than we could ever imagine. God's outcomes go far above anything we ever could have dreamed or imagined 
how that situation was going to work out. Isaiah 55 verse 9 is in your notes, friends. This is a great scripture out of the Old Testament. It reminds us how, how far above God is above us, even in our thinking, even in our understanding. He's way up there, so far above us. Isaiah 55, 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Psalm 147 says, Great is the Lord, abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Romans 11, verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, the wisdom, and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. Dear friends, the point I'm making is how often have you seen God show up in your life in ways that you never would have expected? I mean, God shows up, makes something happen, answers some kind of a prayer, shows up. Maybe you hadn't even been praying about it, but God comes through for you in the most amazing way that you never could have dreamed. You never could have imagined it ever would have worked out this way. You were completely shocked, completely surprised, totally floored, and just all inspired that, wow, God, you did that. And God does that, doesn't he? He often shows up in those staggering kind of magnificent results. And he, he shows up and answers a prayer in, in a way that we never would have imagined. And we see what God ultimately did, and we say, man, that's way better than I would have ever even prayed. That is far above anything that, that I would have prayed for or that I could have hoped for. You know, friends, the reason God often chooses to do that, so often the way that God does, and He goes bigger than we ever expected, he so often does that is so that all the praise goes to him. And we just have to let go of our hands and say, Lord, that was all you. Wow. Wow. You know, family, it's wintertime now and all, all of us have our heat turned on. And I was just reminded this week about uh, back in the history of our church, not too long ago, I think it was maybe 2007 at the time. And uh, our, our main heat source here at the church uh, was on its last legs. Uh, we had originally, when this auditorium was all uh, built back in 1988, uh, they put in some, some new gas boilers. There were two of them, actually, that worked in unison that created all of the hot water to heat this entire building. Well, by 2007 or so, that those boilers were on their last legs. I mean, they had they had worked for many years. They'd been serviced. And that, then, of course, it moves into repairs and more repairs. They're starting to break down. Uh, we even had one of the men from the heating company here said, look, you guys got a problem. You're starting to have carbon dioxide leaks. So all of a sudden, we're in a situation where we're in mid to late summer and something's got to happen. Not, not in winter, now. Something has to happen now. So the deacons and I start having these meetings and we're starting to get quotes on what's it going to cost to, to put new heat in for Grace Baptist Church. And the quotes start rolling in. $10,000, $12,000, $15,000 to replace the heat that would, again, do this whole facility. Now listen, I don't care how big your church is, that's a big number. 10,000, 13,000, 15,000, that's a big number for any size church. So the deacons and I are sitting around our deacons meetings and we're starting to strategize. How are we going to do this? Clock is ticking. 
It won't be long. You know, winter's going to be here. So we start strategizing. What are we going to do about maybe special, some special offerings? Are we going to put out little offering envelopes? Or are we going to figure out a payment plan? Are we going to try to do financing? Or what are we going to do? And we just prayed and we said, Lord, you, you got to help us. You got to come through for us. Help us. This is your church. It's your people. We, we got to have heat. Well, family, one day I get a phone call from one of our members. And this member called me up and said, Pastor Ryan, I'll write the check. I'll write the check. Up to $20,000, whatever it costs, I'll write the check. Whatever it is. This, this member said, we'll handle it. Whatever it is, just get it done. Give me the receipt and I'll write the check. One person. One person. One check. I thought I was going to drop the phone. I mean, could you write that check? Would you write a check like that? That's what this person did. He just said, tell me the number. I'll write the check. I mean, in that moment, I just was like, Lord, this is far beyond anything that we would have ever imagined. I mean, we were, we were thinking about payment plans and special offerings and 10,000 of our own ideas, and God had this person call up and say, nope, one person will write one check, and it's done. And you know what the most encouraging part about that story was? This person said to me, don't say it was me. I don't want anybody to know that it was me. You know, that was so fascinating because how often does it happen when people give things to the church? They want a little gold plaque glued on it somewhere. They, they donated this pew or they donated this table or they, they want some recognition. This person wrote a giant check and said, give glory to God. Give glory to God. You know, if we passed a microphone around this room today, I think some of you could share a story like that. Something that maybe God worked in your life, in your family. Uh, you're, you could tell a story, couldn't you, of how God showed up and did something, just, just blew you away. You were down here thinking all of your little human thoughts and all of your little plans, and God showed up and said, I'm going to do this. And you just said, wow, I never would have imagined that. You see, friends, we need to remember that the God we serve is a God of inexhaustible power. He's got unsearchable wisdom. His ways are higher than our ways. And just like David, there's so often we just have to acknowledge that deep sense of awe and just, just to give gratitude for this God. David said it like this in Psalm 139, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I can't attain it. Dear friend, you ought to be so encouraged today. This is the God you serve, the God who is able to do. That God is able to do above all that we could ever ask or think. But can I show you one more aspect to God's power here? Just one more aspect. Here's number four if you're taking some notes. God is able to do infinitely more than we ask or think. God is able to do infinitely more than we ask or think. Now, I know many of you here today have, have done a lot of work around your house. Many of you know what it's like to work using a stepladder. Now, if you use a stepladder that's designed for home use, whether you're doing some painting, maybe you're working on a little home improvement project, most of those six or eight foot ladders have a sticker. The very, very top of them. Very top of the stepladder. You've been there. Those of you danger lovers, right? You've been up there. 
You look down and you see that sticker. What's it say? It says, do not stand or sit. Do not stand or sit. That's right at the top. What's it doing there? It's, it's giving you a heads up. It's letting you know you can't go any higher. You, there is no getting any higher from here. Well, friends, I want to show you in verse 20. Paul uses a phrase that brings us to the very top of the ladder. And you don't go any higher. What is that phrase? Look what Paul writes there. If you're using the New King James, it says it like this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. Now, the word that Paul uses there is actually just one word. The Greek word Paul uses is just one word. It's a word that Paul coined as he wrote this letter to the Ephesians. It's just one word in the Greek text, but the word is so powerful, it's so pregnant with meaning, when it comes over into our English Bible, our English translators had to use two words to try to com communicate what Paul said with just one word. And I just read it for you there, the word, exceedingly, abundantly. It takes our English two words to say what Paul said with just one word. Some of the other translations have it phrased differently too. If you're using the ESV this morning, your Bible uses three words to communicate just the one word. If you're using ESV, your Bible says far more abundantly. If you're using the New American Standard, it uses four words, far more abundantly beyond. Personally, I like the Phillips translation, the Amplified Bible. I like how they render it, translates this phrase as infinitely more. Oh, I like that. Infinitely more or infinitely beyond. So the word that Paul uses here, again, our, our English Bible reads it as exceedingly abundantly, but the, the idea here is this, this phrase is talking about something that's very far in excess of, super abundantly. It's completely unmeasurable. You see, friends, you see what God's saying? You see what what Paul's saying here about God's power, God's ability to do and act in our lives, it's, it's, it's not just a little bit beyond what we could imagine. No, it's infinitely more than we could ever comprehend. His ability to execute things and bring about effects, it's exceedingly and abundantly beyond our human understanding. Christian friend, that should be so encouraging for you today. It reminds us that your God has super abundant power. He can work in immeasurable ways that you'll never be able to understand, especially when you pray. His power is not limited. His power is not hindered. No, He can do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think. Dear friends, I'm telling you, when you read this phrase, exceedingly, abundantly, you're at the top of the ladder. You don't get any higher. This is so lifted up. One more step up and you're into the infinite character of God Himself. Well, friends, we've looked today at this, this soaring pyramid of praise, a staircase of praise. We begin to wonder, well, what application does this have to my life? What does this mean for me right here, right now, living today? Well, friends, this does have great application 
for your life and mine. It's so relevant. Look at verse 20. Look at the end of verse 20. Look what Paul writes there. This same amazing power that God deserves to be praised for, that's the very same power, the Bible says, that's at work in each one of our lives. In other words, friends, the very same power that God uses to accomplish His purposes and plans in the universe, that's the very same power that's at work in us. It's at work in us. It's available to us each day as we live for Jesus Christ. Christian, do you realize this is the power that's yours? It's power in you and through you. But the source is not you. It's ultimately from Christ. This kind of power is yours to lean upon and rely upon, to depend upon. It all is made available to you, Christian, through Jesus Christ. You know, perhaps you're listening today and, and maybe you're not a Christian. And maybe you'd, maybe you'd honestly say, I, I have no idea what it's like to know God or, or experience any of His power in my daily life. Maybe you'd be honest and you say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I, I don't know what it means to have that encouragement in my heart of what it means to know Jesus. Well, dear friends, I just want to tell you today the, the good news of the gospel message. The good news that God speaks to us is that for every person, for every person who would turn away from their sin and believe upon Jesus by faith, the Bible says that God makes that person new. God makes that person new from the inside out. God doesn't say, you got to do all this stuff first and then you'll be right with me. God says, just turn to me and I'll start making you new from the inside out. And God does that through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus has the power to do that. Jesus, by what He did on the cross, Jesus is the one who takes away your sins. He gives you forgiveness. He takes away your guilt. He gives you acceptance. He takes away your shame and your failure, and He, he brings you into God's family. And, and now God sees you, not by all the wrong that you've done. No, now God sees you through what Jesus has done for you. There was an exchange that happens when you put your trust, trust in Christ. All of your sin and shame goes to Jesus, and all of His forgiveness and His perfections come to you. And now God sees you through the work of His Son, Jesus. Listen, friend, if you're not a Christian, if you don't have that kind of relationship with Christ, well, I hope today will be the day. I hope today's the day, friend, that you would say, yes, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life, and I... I I need to be forgiven of my sins, and I want to trust in you, Lord Jesus. Friend, you can do that today. That's what it means to be a Christian, to put your trust in Christ and say, Lord, you have to make me new. Only you have the power to do that. Only you have the power to, to change me from the inside out. Listen, if you have questions about that, you want to talk to someone about what it means to be a Christian. You want to, to sit down with someone, have a Coke or a coffee, and say, hey, what does it mean to be a Christian? How, how do I have that relationship with Jesus? Well, friend, don't hesitate to talk to me today. After the service, I'm going to be hanging around. I'd love to talk to you. You could talk to any one of these folks that have been up on the platform today. Nothing would bring us more joy than to meet with you, talk with you, show you what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. Well, friends, as we draw to a conclusion today, you know, there's really only one result. Only one result that can come out of a, a, a tower of praise like this. 
What else could be said when, when you come face to face with the infinite power of God? Well, notice how Paul concludes there in verse 21. Look how Paul finishes. To him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and forever. Amen. You see what Paul says there? Since all the power is from God alone, then surely all the praise and all the glory must go to God alone. And how does it happen? It flows from us because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And it's for all the generations. Let every generation say that God deserves the glory for what He has done for us through His Son, Jesus. So believers, in light of all you heard today, can I just ask you a few questions? I just ask you a couple questions in closing. Dear friend, do you believe that God is still able to do? Do you really believe that? That your God is the God who can do? Do you really believe that the God you're serving is the living, powerful, doing, all amazing God of the universe? Now friend, if you believe that, let me ask you a second question. Do you pray that way? Do you pray believing that? Do you pray with bold faith, believing that God has the power to do above whatever you could ask or think? Friend, God, I just ask you, how have your prayers been in, in recent days? How have been your prayers been? Have they been a little too small? Have they been a little too scared? Have they had a little too many doubts? Or friend, when you pray, are they bold prayers? Are they big prayers? Are they brimming with confidence in the power of your God? Do you believe when you pray? Do you believe that God is powerful enough to bring to pass even the largest requests that you would bring to Him? And then finally, friend, do you give God all the glory? Does all the glory go to Him for what He continues to do in your life? When He steps into your world and He does exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask or think, does it stir you to praise? Does it stir up thanksgiving in you to want to thank God for what He's done? When He manifests His power, does it drive you to a deeper worship of Him, a greater love for Him, a greater service to Him to give your whole life to Him? Friend, how about it this week? As you go out of this place knowing the power of God, will you keep submitting to God this week? Will you humbly say, Lord, you've got the power and I just want to serve you. Christian, will you live courageously for Him this week? Will you get out there and live for Him knowing that His power is there to move in and through you? Friends, we started this message today. I told you how ashamed, how, how red-faced, how embarrassed Dr. Jackson was when he learned that his car really did have the power he needed. Boy, he learned a lesson that day, didn't he? He learned a lesson about power. He learned a lesson about the problem of a loose connection. So Christian friend, as you march off into your Thanksgiving week, keep your connection. Keep your connection with the God of power. Remember God's glorious power. Let it encourage you and let it equip you for a life lived for Jesus. Dear friend, take this with you. All the power you need, God provides. All the power you need, God provides. 
So give thanks to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. Thanks for listening. This preaching for a change broadcast has been brought to you by the Grace Baptist Church of Hazleton, Pennsylvania. For more information, visit us online at mygracebaptist.church. If you enjoyed this broadcast, then share it with a friend on your favorite social media network. And be sure to join us next time for more enlightening and encouraging biblical exposition here on Preaching for a Change.